This episode is brought to you by Eastern Bank, the largest commercial bank headquartered in Massachusetts, with more than two centuries of service to the various communities it serves. Eastern supports investing in people and places that are poised to make a difference, doing good things to help people prosper. To learn more about Eastern Bank, please visit easternbank.com. That's easternbank.com. Hi, I'm Juliet Mayers. Welcome to Entering the Inspiration Zone with Juliet Mayers, a podcast for business professionals and entrepreneurs seeking positive connection and professional development. As an accomplished author, speaker, DEI strategist, and member of Forbes Coaches Council, I am living the dream, and I love helping others achieve their dreams. Each episode, I will share with you actionable steps that you can take to build the work and life you've imagined. Welcome. I am so excited. This episode, I have with me Stephanie Brown. Welcome, Stephanie. Thanks, Juliet. I'm so excited to have you here on Entering the Inspiration Zone. So Stephanie is founder and CEO of Deserve Talent. She's also the former vice president of talent acquisition and chief diversity officer for Blue Cross Blue Shield of Massachusetts. I'm also very happy to call Stephanie a dear friend and so excited to have this conversation. So today we're going to be talking about cultivating and attracting talent something that Stephanie has a lot of experience on and actually is in her new venture, Deserve Talent, as founder and CEO, will be her area of focus, or I should say is her area of focus, because by the time our listeners hear this podcast, you would have been launched. So great to have you, Stephanie. And as with all of our guests, I like to start by first having you share your journey with our listeners so that people have a feel for who you are and get to know you before we get into our topic. So tell us about yourself. Great, great. Thank you, Juliet. As you mentioned, I am launching Deserve Talent, but I am extremely excited to talk a little bit about called my wonderful long career in corporate America and having a being able to do that with you for the first time out loud is pretty cool. So thank you so much for having me. I would just like to say, I try not to say I have retired. I try to say I'm on to my next journey and I'm rewiring because after a long 27 career at Blue Cross actually ended just three weeks ago is pretty cool to say the least. I'm really excited about what's next for me. But I've spent over 40 years working on trying to be the best me. And these last 27 years, I've been blessed to have a lot of roles that led me to where I am today. I've spent most of my career in technology and IT, but I've had time at Blue Cross in operations, strategy and planning, and then most recently over the last six years in HR. But during my journey, I have had the opportunity to hire and mentor hundreds of talented employees. 
And in my most recent role, as you mentioned, Vice President of Talent Acquisition and Chief Diversity Officer, I was charged with developing the talent strategy to attract and retain highly successful diverse employees, both internally and externally. And over those six years, I recruited and onboarded over 3,000 people, which is an amazing uh, task. And when I go back and think about it in, in that way, I think, yeah, and I, but I really do things that I'm most proud of during that time is that I was able to take the diversity of our organization from 25% to 30% people of color at all levels of the organization. And that's where I feel like kind of the legacy that I left will stay there for a good while, as well as everything I learned over those last six years. In addition to my leadership over the last 40 years, I can take into this new venture. That That's fantastic. You know, congratulations on one, your retirement, or should I say rewiring, as you call it. <laughs> that's uh, very special. And on your, your business, and quite frankly, on the amazing work that you have contributed to the DEI field, uh, being in the arena myself, I have had the opportunity to work with you. And it's wonderful to see your journey and your contribution. So congrats for that. Thank you so much. Yeah. So Stephanie, you also, because I know this because of all the, one, the longevity that you've had in corporate America, but also you have been an entrepreneur before. This is not your first rodeo, as they say. And <laughs> <laughs> so so tell us about, because when I think about what you did on the wine side, what you considered your started as a hobby that which then grew into a business. I think that also lends and adds to the richness of perspective that you have, not only as an executive, but also someone who has actually been a full-fledged entrepreneur. Tell us about that aspect. Sure. You know, I call the work that I did with my wine business and the group that we took public from the standpoint of going from a club called a wine club called Divas on Cork to a public actual company called Divas on Court was a hobby gone amok because <laughs> it, it really was a way for a bunch of friends to get together and enjoy and learn about wine, travel a little bit, but at the same time, support each other. After doing it for a few years, we got noticed by uh, some public figures and they decided that it was something that the industry needed, meaning the wine industry. The wine industry was pretty much all white male back then. This was early, late 1998 or 99, and then early 2000s. It was all pretty much all white male. That's who the marketplace marketed to. And women were actually the number one consumers. We were the ones buying the wine, but mm. it was not being marketed to us, nor were they thinking about what we needed to become educated consumers. And so the ability to actually take some of that work and turn it into a business and have the industry recognize the value of 12 Black women at the time, how we could change the marketplace and what that would do for them and us, in addition to the fact that I loved wine, 
and the mm -hmm. learning and all the things I learned around strategy development, business development, everything from marketing and the web, you know, all this was brand spanking new back then. Right. And then we took and launched our own brand called Divas Uncorked Chardonnay. Well, I loved it so much. I decided I want to own my own store. So <laughs> I convinced my husband that this was something that we really needed to do. And I love that's what I, <laughs> I love that. Really needed to do, right? Not really wanted needed to do. to do. Not wanted to do, really needed to do because we wanted to be our own bosses. I actually worked with my husband, which I thought was, you know, brought us much closer together because now we were actually partners in the business. And we launched a company called Bon Vivant in the South Shore of Massachusetts. Well, that learning also was amazing. Everything from how to pick a location, you know, navigate and negotiate a lease to the strategy and the planning that I had to do around how I was going to market the store, what was going to be the design of the store, all of those skills I did outside of my corporate job at mm -hmm. the same time, keeping my corporate job. Right, right. So that was what really helped me navigate into leadership and the executive suite because of all that learning. Yeah, well, I think you're being uh, very modest, you know, because I uh, had an opportunity to watch that trajectory in terms of both the wine business and your appearance in Oprah magazine and <laughs> all of these fabulous national and international things that you did during that time. And I think the fact that you were able then to translate those skills into corporate America is something that a lot of other people can learn from because oftentimes there's so many people who have a side gig, right? It's commonplace now. And I think a lot of people feel like, you know what, there's not a whole lot of job security in any job. And whether it's pursuing a passion or whether it's, you know, having another line of business, there are a lot of people now who are doing that. The challenge sometimes is people don't necessarily know how to leverage those skills to then grow their career. So tell us how you went from owning Bon Vivant, being a diva, wine diva, to actually then translating that into an executive level career. Well, I, I always say that, you know, not only doing the entrepreneurial work, but also doing the volunteer work, you get a chance to actually try out skills with less risk. Now, granted, I, there was a lot of risk in owning my store. I mean, if it didn't go well, you know, there were definitely risks there. But there was nobody there telling me I was doing it wrong or doing it right. I had to learn it on my own. And I was able to take risks that i probably wasn't willing to take in my day job, I call it my corporate job, because there's so much to lose. And we all know that there's so much to lose. But during that time, I gained a ton of confidence because as I achieved on my entrepreneurial side, it gave me the confidence that I could do some of those same things on my corporate side. Hmm. When you said you gained a lot of confidence, what did that do because when we hear of confidence, confidence is having, believing in yourself, right? And maybe that fueling your ability to take the internal risk. So what specifically did you do in your day job that you hadn't done before? So I think the things that were, I would say, 
stand out for me the most is the ability to speak up Hmm. and the ability to speak up in situations where sometimes you feel like you're the most, well, one, you're the, a lot of times you're the only person of color in the room, which Mm -hmm. I, because I was in the IT organization and I spent most of my career in tech, I usually was the only person of color in the room and many times the only woman in the room Mm -hmm. because of the space that, and the field that I was in. What really gave me the confidence to speak up was that I actually had more language to leverage in those spaces. Mm -hmm. So when I say more language to leverage in those spaces, you know, strategy was something that I had to actually learn. That wasn't something I actually learned in in school or even learned in my early career in tech because I was actually a real techie. You know, I actually Mm -hmm. did the tech work. And so learning how to build a strategy, understanding what vision and mission and goals were from a business perspective, allowed me to understand what was happening at work through that business lens. And once Mm -hmm. I understood what was happening at work through that business lens, I had the ability to then say, okay, I know a little bit about this. Mm -hmm. I can be innovative. I can create different ways to do the work that we needed to do in my job through adding value that way. And adding Mm -hmm. value that way then gave me opportunities to take on more projects, gave me opportunities to be in different rooms. And that I continue to gain confidence as I went through that journey. Excellent. Yeah, that, that was an excellent example. So thank you for that. So I want to take this opportunity to to talk about your last role, the Vice President of Talent Acquisition and Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer for Blue Cross Blue Shield of Massachusetts, the largest health plan in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. So tell us about, because everybody is talking about talent, everybody's trying to attract particularly diverse talent. And now I'm thinking about this new company that you've started, which is focused on talent management consulting and specifically helping people with diversity as well in terms of their talent needs. How did your role prepare you for that? And what are some of the things that you see are necessary for organizations who are serious about attracting talent? Well, I think there's three things that are, are really important. The first one is, is you need a strategy. Mm-hmm. And you need to understand what is the business case for having a strong, diverse set of employees at your organization? Why do you need diverse talent? Why you deserve the best talent on top of that? Mm-hmm. And so thinking about what your company does and how it hits the market, who are your customers and what kind of innovation do you need to be thinking about? Because we also also know that diversity brings innovation. What kind of innovation do you need to be thinking about as a company is the first thing you need to think about. So you Mm -hmm. you must have a strategy. Right. And then you must set goals because nothing gets achieved without goals and without results. And so you must kind of know, well, where am I headed? What do I look like now? Where am I headed? And how am I going How I'm going to assess how well I've done and what I need to continue to, to do? Yeah. And I think the third thing is just really 
creating an organization that, that can get you there mm-hmm. because getting you, it's one thing to attract the talent it's another thing to keep the talent exactly and so you start <laughs> to think about what is the culture of belonging look like what does equitable benefits look like what are development opportunities for the people that you bring into the organization and this cuts across all of your employees not mm-hmm. just your diverse employees so those three areas must be thought through before you even attempt to go outside yeah. or go inside to start to cultivate that talent And now, obviously, you don't have to have a perfect day one, but you need to be thinking about all of those areas and everyone must be on the same train. Mm -hmm. You can't have people on different trains because then it won't work. Right. Now, do you really think that in this day and age that people are still struggling with the business case? Yes. And why do you think that is? Because I don't think we'd stop and take the time to think about what that business case is thoroughly. And because most of the work that we've done over the past 20 years around diversity is it's the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. But they think about it from the right thing to do from the social aspect of the Mm -hmm. right thing to do versus the business aspect of the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. And so I think we just have to get people to rework their thinking around that because at the end of the day, the population is not getting any more, less diverse. It's getting more diverse. And so if you want to have the best employees, you want to be able to continue to cultivate uh, Mm -hmm. employees, you have to think about all the employees that are out there and what are you going to do to to bring them into your company or have them want to work for your company. Yeah. And I think you bring up a very good point because, you know, in my DEI consulting practice, I talk about that a lot is you can go out and find people, right? However, what are they going to experience when they get to your organization? And a lot of people make the huge mistake of focusing on bringing in talent without wanting to do the hard work of modifying, preparing your culture and making sure that you're being inclusive internally, right? You have diversity, equity, and inclusion and looking at at those practices that are going to help people be successful and help them feel like they belong. So I think that's a very, very important part. And I know that you and I share that thinking in terms of the importance of the culture. Another thing, Stephanie, that you brought up that's near and dear to my heart, of course, is how important it was for you to build those relationships and network And your transition from even parlaying your wine learning to your internal movement and the networks and the relationships that you cultivated. Talk to me about that. So, you know, I have the most, I always say I have the weirdest career ever because people go look at me, you went from tech to HR. (laughs) What was wrong with you? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I do love people. And, and I always say most HR people don't love people, but I love people. <laughs> so I actually could credit you a little bit around that because I read your book, The Strategic Guide to Networking. And, you know, I've you, always you, been- you, you mean the guide to strategic networking, but- <laughs> I, yes, yes, yes. Well, I actually strategic guy. I think I, I think I like my title better. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll name my third title, my third book that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think your book really helped me 
think about my networking differently than I probably did in the past. Because I think when I, and I thought about networking in the past, I always thought about it from a social perspective. You know, what was I doing externally out of work that allowed me to feel like I belonged in the community that I lived in? And so that's probably where I did a lot of my volunteerism and the work outside. But the book talked a lot about the circles, you know, the strategic circles that you live in and work in. And, you know, thinking, doing the exercise that I had to stop and think who was in my inner circle, which are the closest people to me, who were the next level out, like the high value circle and then the moderate circle. Actually thinking about your networking that way was really valuable for me inside the company Mm -hmm. because in the job I had in technology I knew everybody yeah because of what I did Mm -hmm. because I worked with all of the different divisions within the company and I had some touch point with every level uh, within the company but I had to stop and think about who did I really know and who could I count on Right. versus who I needed to cultivate more and who I really just needed to touch. Mm-hmm. And so I spent my time as I was going into the role into HR, I spent my time really thinking about that because the role I was walking into, one, it was a new discipline. So I had to learn a whole lot of things before I could actually feel as though I could be successful. I hired you, which made me very helped me a lot because I had someone who I could bounce those ideas off of. And I knew I was going to get good feedback to help me design my first strategy in that space. And then I also had to cultivate and test a lot of the ideas I had with people who were in my inner circle, because I knew those were the people who were going to be my sponsors when I wasn't in the room. Mm -hmm. So that whole circle exercise really helped me propel and be prepared for the first couple of years of my work. Because when I walked into the role, I did need to create a strategy. But I was also lucky that I had an amazing CEO. Mm -hmm. And I had a CEO that I didn't have to worry about when I wasn't in the room, whether he was sponsoring the work that we were trying to do. Because he was the person who actually led by example. And that was very impactful for me as well. Yeah. And you're talking about Andrew Dreyfus, CEO of Blue Cross Blue Shield, who definitely is an example of leadership from the top, something that's definitely required when you are trying to integrate diversity, equity, and inclusion. You know, And I also think you owe a lot to your need to give yourself a lot of credit because it's one thing to know, it's one thing to have that sponsorship. It's another thing to be able to put the strategy in place and to execute. And so I am so excited for you with this new venture, Deserve Talent. So what specifically are can people come to you for in this new venture that you're you're doing? So, you know, I think why I thought this organization was even needed is that I really do believe organizations need to earn the right to have the best talent. Mm-hmm. It's not enough just to have a good brand name. It's not enough just to, you know, I call talk the talk. You got to walk the walk. Right. And for me, many times I've had conversations with executives very high up in, in organizations, and 
they are looking for support on how to get it done. And we talked a little bit about that earlier in our conversation. And so cultivating and acquiring that talent today requires, again, that whole culture of belonging, which sounds so easy to say, but it's really hard to do. Right. And equitable benefits. We know that women don't make as much money as men still today. And if you add people of color on top of that, it's even worse. Yeah. And so that whole understanding of their benefit, what are they sh- giving to their employees? What are they changing or about their compensation models? What are they thinking about when it comes to development and who gets development? What does career progression look like? All of those things are really important. And those are areas of focus for me when I'm talking to C-suite folks and thinking about what are you doing today and what could you be doing more of so that you can attract that talent, but more importantly, keep that talent. Mm -hmm. Fabulous, fabulous. Well, again, congratulations. We're we're coming up on the end of our discussion. Don't want to go. I don't want to go. But um, (laughs) 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 so in a minute, I'm going to ask you to share with our listeners how they can reach you. And I'm going to take this opportunity to just highlight some of the many nuggets that we talked about while you prepare to do that. And so, Stephanie, we started this conversation talking about your journey, you know, and the work that you have done, both in the corporate sense and also as an entrepreneur, and how you were able to parlay those strategic skills that you learned in running your business launching a business, running a retail store to actually parlay those learnings into corporate America and to be able to transition into a role that you then led in a very senior level position. And so one of the key takeaways there, I think for people and for me, and you brought pointed it out yourself, is the importance of those relationships and the fact that you were able to not only garner the learning, but also learn from my book, thank you very much, to how to look at the relationships and the people in your life and in your network in order to be able to pull that all together to support the work that you were, you then uh, transitioned to. And so I, I just have to say, I am, I've always been an admirer of yours and I wish you great success with this new venture, Deserved Talent. And as you mentioned, for those who are looking to attract diverse talent, Stephanie is the place to go. So thanks so much for, for being here on Entering the Inspiration Zone. And now tell our listeners how they can reach you. Sure. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to talk a little bit about kind of what's up next for me. So you can reach me at Stephanie at StephanieFBrown.com. And that's Brown with an E, StephanieFBrown.com. And my website is DeserveTalent.com, all one word, DeserveTalent.com. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you so much, Stephanie. Really appreciate your time. And I know for a fact that our listeners have gotten quite a bit out of what you've shared. So thanks so much. And um, I'll be seeing you soon. Thanks, Juliet. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you for joining us on Entering the Inspiration Zone. Until next time, we would love to hear from you. So if you'd like to join our mailing list, please 
send an email to info at inspirationzonellc.com. That's info at inspirationzonellc.com. And be sure to put podcast in the subject line. Thank you and have a fabulous day.